0: Yeah, I mean, one of the worst ways to allow a technology like 5G to develop is essentially the way it's developing right now. Right. <laughs> where, where, we, we, the people, um, are, are really kind of like collateral damage, right? In this geopolitical war, right? In this kind of Cold War 2.0 with China, uh, you know, and, and, and this is really kind of pushing and driving the development of a technology that if successful, will have massive impacts on every aspect of not only our personal lives, you know, but as we talked about uh, earlier, massive impacts on the very organization of entire sectors and industries, right? Um, massive impacts on logistics and manufacturing, on transportation. By allowing it to happen in, in a way that's like, decidedly undemocratic and undemocratic in the sense that uh the voice and values and interest of most people um are simply not represented uh in a technology that is instead being developed um through these kinds of uh yeah the, these battles and these conflicts of interest uh, amongst global hegemons um uh, amongst these kind of proxy battles so this is going to push the development of this technology um, towards one that kind of dominates the way technology is developing, where it's it's one based on um, kind of. A, a trickle down innovation, right? Like innovations are developed um, to meet the interest of people at the top. Um, in this case, whether it's the you know the U.S. national interests and national security, whatever that means, um, whether that's uh, China's uh, goals and, and aims on being you know the next kind of uh, pace setter and hegemon in this area, um, and but then. All of the flow-on effects of that will, you know, if we're lucky, we will get trickled down marginal benefits, right? Little pittance, like, oh, I can, you know, I I, I can stream uh, my video game on Twitch at a higher frame rate, um, or I can download that new uh, Netflix original series uh, instantaneously, right? It's all, it's you all confidential. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's all that, it's all that <laughs> kind of shit, right? Those are the kinds of like marginal benefits that we get to um, enjoy if we're lucky. If we're lucky, um, whereas all of the, the the other benefits of this, you know, multi-trillion-dollar market for networked devices and next-generation communications technologies, um, all of these technological transformations and finance and manufacturing and logistics and so on and so forth, all of those benefits end up accumulating and consolidating at the top. And not just at the top, at the very peak, right, amongst a small number of companies and states, right, in partnership with each other. Right. You know, I think, you know, just a very
1: easy example of like what we don't get, right, Patents have licensing fees, right? Qualcomm dominated 2G, dominated multiple other standards races, two thirds of its revenue from China, right? It gets two thirds of its revenue from China, most of that specifically from Huawei. Since 2001, you know, uh, Huawei has paid more than $6 billion in royalties, and 80% of that goes to US firms, right? Today, things have shifted a little bit. Huawei, as Morozov writes, now has one of the largest portfolios of 5G-related SCPs, a development very much in line with the shifting geographic distribution of SEPs, with the U.S. and Western Europe losing their dominant positions to Asian countries. But Huawei remains critical of the global system of intellectual property rights. Uh, rotating Chairman Go has compared licensing fees to, quote, bandits demanding passage to enter the international club, right? Uh, arguing that the rules of the club must be rebuilt towards equality and mutual benefit. I think this, you know, ends up being that, you know, China has in one way attempted to fight against that by acquiring a large amount of patents and then shifting from being a borrower that has to pay out fees to a lender that has to receive them. Right. In 1998, American companies received two, uh, 26.8 times as much in royalties as Chinese companies. And in 2019, the difference is only 1.7 times, right? China has grown much more involved in the standards and their international bodies. And, you know, as we've talked about, and as more writes, the heads of the International Electrotechnical Commission, the IEC, and the International Telecommunications Union, ITU, are Chinese. Uh, the first Chinese president of the International Organization for Standardization, the ISO, completed his three-year term in 2018. And these are the standardization bodies that, um, you know, you can have a standard protocol created, you know, in Finland, in the Nordic countries, you know, all that. But the way in which it's going to be uh, further developed, the way in which devices are going to be created along, it, uh, along its lines, the way it's going to shape and drive development are as much a consequence of private decisions uh, by blocks of capital as they are by these international standards that can get groups to agree to them
0: importantly and this is all just still playing in that that in in, in that realm of rentier capitalism right this is mm. not breaking free of a rentier capitalism it's simply uh you know they You know, it's tempting to cheer on. And I want to say that our historiography of Huawei is not a hagiography of of Huawei. And that's really (laughs) important, right? Because while on one hand, it's tempting to cheer on the renter uh, evicting its landlord, but then becoming a landlord itself, right? It's like, no. I mean, you're still, it's still the same exact rentier capitalism. It's just those rents are now flowing to a different block of owners who who still control access to uh, intellectual property, who still control access to the standards, right? The point here needs to be to just abolish the rentier system altogether, because while you may end up with different types of development um, with one block of rentiers owning the owning access and owning property over a different blocks of rentiers owning access and owning property. At the end of the day, it's still rentiers who are deriving mm-hmm. and extracting that rent, who are enclosing, um, in this case, the kind of IP necessary for for these technological developments um, and who are therefore accumulating the the rent that they 're extracting um, to themselves right who are who are controlling and pushing forward the development of these technologies so they meet their interest again, the interest of rentiers, just a different type of or a different block of rentiers than the ones that we 're used to dealing with.